In the name of God, who sets our hearts on fire. Amen. Well, in today's gospel, Jesus comes off a bit harsh. Kudos to Reverend Patty for reading that passage with its fire and destruction and signs of the times, and then concluding it with the gospel of our Lord. <laughs> it takes a pro deacon to pull that off. What do we make of these harsh words of Jesus who seemingly comes to bring fire and division and destruction? It's not an image of Jesus that we like to dwell on. We have Jesus walking on water and Jesus trampling down death. We have Jesus surfing, but not the Jesus bringer of fire. Does Jesus really mean that he comes to sow division and bring destruction? Is Jesus an agent of our own suffering? It would seem like that, but I think you guys know me well enough now that I'm not going to let us interpret the scripture at this surface level. We must remember and recall our own ancient stories of scripture to understand the kind of fire that Jesus promises to bring. The imagery of God's fire runs throughout the Old Testament. By fire, God beckons Moses to investigate a burning bush. And through that fire initiates a personal relationship with Moses where he encounters God face to face and learns God's name, the great I am. By fire, God leads the Israelites through the night desert, offering them guidance and assurance of God's covenant relationship with God's people. By fire, the prophet Elijah transcends the earthly plane into the heavenly realm in a fiery chariot, bridging that gap between life and the afterlife. By fire is how every offering that we put as sacrifice on the altar is made holy and consecrated before God. The flame and aromas rising up to God dwelling and filling the tent or tabernacle or temple. Sometimes, if you really dig down deep into the Old Testament, there are stories of angels who return to heaven, riding on the flames of fire. The fire becomes a highway by which the angels go back to dwell with God. This is the fire that Jesus brings, a fire that reveals a faithful, intimate relationship with God's people, a fire that burns away all that is corrupted and fragile and broken about this life, reveals God's true hope and love for us. That's the fire that Jesus brings, not a force of destruction, but a fire of consecration, 
a fire of transformation, a fire that consumes all of our life and makes it a holy offering to God. But Josh, what about the against, against, against this refrain, father against son, against mother, against daughter, the harsh winds that beat against us, the scorching heat that beats down on us. Signs of the times that surround us all. Here, Jesus is being descriptive, not prescriptive. Jesus is not stating what will happen, but Jesus is naming the lived reality that the disciples already know. Jesus doesn't claim to bring destruction. Jesus comes to the destruction to bless it. The division is already here. The disciples have already left their families to follow Jesus. They know that grief and loss. The disciples have already seen John the Baptist murdered by Herod. And they know that grief and terror and fear in their daily life. The disciples live under Roman oppression and the road to Jerusalem is lined with many crosses and many other rabbis and revolutionaries have been hung on them as an intimidation tactic. If Jesus comes bringing division and we interpret this passage where Jesus comes to bring division, get in line. Division is here. You're too late, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't come to bring division, destruction, or hardship. He comes to share in it with us and thus bless it by his presence. The incarnate Jesus knows intimately this twin truth of life. Life is beautiful. Life is hard. And with his fire, Jesus adds a third truth. Life is holy. Life is beautiful. Life is hard. Life is holy. Life is holy because it has been touched by Jesus's fire. Jesus comes to you and to each of us to touch our lives and set us on fire, a fire that consumes all aspects of our life and reveals and transforms and consecrates it as holy. Have you ever experienced the love of Jesus like that in your life? Has Jesus ever set your heart on fire? Has your heart ever been broken open by the vastness of God's love? I believe that you have because these pews aren't comfortable enough for you to just be here hanging out. But it's hard to share those stories, isn't it? Those, those kind of stories make us vulnerable they require a certain humility. It can be a bit embarrassing because if we want to tell the story of how we've been found, we have to admit that we were lost. If we're going to tell a story about healing, we have to admit that we were hurting. If we want to tell a story about how we learned something, we have to admit that we were ignorant of that thing. It's really a difficult thing to launch into 
awkward a bit to put yourself in that position with someone else. But by sharing our stories, we offer our light, our fire experience to one another, pointing the way towards God's love. So I'm going to give it a try with you guys here today. Way back when, when I first visited the Episcopal Church, I had an experience of Christ that set me on fire. And my heart was broken open by God's love. God's love welcomed and consecrated my life, made me new, made me see myself anew. What it was, was the prayers of the people that we pray each service. I was new to the liturgies and traditions of the Episcopal Church, but right there in the middle of our service every week, we pray for people who are in mourning and those who have died. I couldn't believe it. Because for years I believed and was made to believe that my grief my mourning, my questioning, my doubt and despair and depression had to be checked at the door when I came into a church. The churches that I visited and I was a part of made me believe that I had to be this happy, clappy, joyful, praise-giving Christian coming to church on Sunday, wearing some kind of emotional version of my Sunday best. And all of those questions and doubts and fears that came up in me after my brother's suicide, were not welcomed. Something was put upon me. There was something that I had to leave behind that was not welcome here. And for years, I believed that. And then one day, almost by accident, I came into the Episcopal Church. And having checked that at the door, I was quite shocked when they prayed for people who are in mourning and people who have died. Suddenly, parts of me that I had dismissed long ago were not only welcomed in the church and allowed in the church, but put center stage right in the middle of the service. Not only that, but because we pray these prayers every week, the love of God was apparent that these communities were praying for me even before I ever visited that church. That Sunday, I was overwhelmed by this fiery experience, and I had to know more, so I signed up, jumped in with both feet, and signed up for the very next thing that was happening, which was veggie prep, cooking in the kitchen for the homeless feeding program. And around the kitchen counters, as many of you know, stories get shared. And I heard the stories of these church members, people who are navigating hardships of life, yet still holding on to the graces of life and the beauty of life. They talked about navigating divorces and battling cancer, about their own loss of loved ones, about getting through their probation and parole, about coming to terms with their own diminishing abilities. All these sources of grief 
were transformed by the love of Christ into sources of grace, which by sharing their stories, they offered to me and everyone else as a sign and light of God's love. Through the prayers of the people and the veggie prep crew, I experienced Jesus's fire. It sanctified my grief and mourning. It let me know that that was part of life that God makes holy, that God experiences and dwells with us and blesses. It burned up the stigma and shame I felt and revealed that God loves me, all of me, all those parts, even the questions and doubts. So today when I invite people to church, that's why. I want to have them have that experience of the vastness of God's love breaking into their lives, breaking their hearts wide open, sanctifying whatever hurt or hardship or burden they bear. So if you need to hear this, please hear it. Whatever your hardship or heartache, whatever question or doubt you come here with, we believe that God's love is big enough far-reaching enough, overwhelming enough to welcome it and consecrate it as holy. This is the fire Jesus comes to bring, a fire that touches all aspects of our life, not just our Sunday best. Jesus says he comes to bring fire, and indeed he has. Jesus has brought the fire, and, and now Jesus gives it to us. That's what Pentecost is all about. Do you remember Pentecost with flaming tongues of fire dancing upon their heads? In our baptism liturgy, we give the flame to the newly baptized. We each have this fire, and we are charged with the task of keeping it alive, keep the embers burning, keep the flames rising high to Christ. Let us get in touch with our own stories of our own heart-on-fire experience of Jesus. And let us share those stories of how we were transformed and consecrated by Jesus' love. And let us welcome others and pass on God's love to them that they might begin to see themselves in God's eyes as God's own children. When we receive the love of Christ, we can dwell in the holiness of life even amidst the hardship and beauty of life. We can hold grace and grief together and be stretched by them. That is how we grow in God's love. That's how we embody God's love in its abundant, vast, all-consuming love. And that's how God's love shines through us. We embody God's love when we recall our own hearts on fire stories and then share them with one another as a light to light their path, a path to God's love. Amen.